The Start On Demand. On demand. Hockey is back. The puck drops today on the NHL season and the Winnipeg Jets start their season tomorrow. So we'll speak to Leah Hextall to get a preview of that game and we'll speak to Josh Morrissey from the Jets. We learned today that the temporary two-week remote learning period is coming to an end at Manitoba Schools on January 18th. We'll get details on that. And since hockey is back today, we talked entrance music. What would your entrance music be? Or what is your favorite entrance music? I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, January 13th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb. Yesterday we spent a lot of time talking about how kids, what are they doing? How are they staying active without organized sports? Well, today, organized sports, at least on a professional level, returns in a big way on the ice, GMAC. Oh, can't wait. The National Hockey League getting underway tonight. And I confess to being a little bit of a fair weather NHL fan, Loren, if the Winnipeg Jets aren't playing, chances are I'm not listening or watching. Yeah, and I'm curious how many people will be watching tonight just because it's something to watch. I haven't decided yet. For sure, I'm going to watch Puck Drop tomorrow night uh, with the Winnipeg Jets, and I look forward to listening to our coverage on 680 CGOB because I'm so excited to be part of that team this year that's rejoining forces with the Jets to bring some extensive and exclusive coverage. So that's exciting me, but I'm not sure how I feel about the season overall in terms of watching it because I'm I'm like you, Greg. I, I would watch a lot of games in a playoff run but i don't know i, I i'm curious to, i'm I, i'll i'll give it a shot tonight i'll flip around <laughs> i'm, I'm waffling well, listen to me as i speak i'm waffling you are you're waffling and that's okay because i think hockey has a tendency to do that with us and uh if your team is playing well you want to be watching every night every game that they play when they're not sometimes that encourages you to watch uh, maybe even more but for me uh, every game I can get my eyes and my ears on uh, when it involves the Winnipeg Jets, if it works for my sleep schedule, and sometimes I'll even alter that, Brett, in order to sneak in and, and get in as much Jets hockey as I can. Yeah, you, you wrestled with that all the time when there was a game during the week when you had your season tickets. Oh, yeah, It was, a, it was basically a game-by-game game sort of, uh, do I really want to go to this game tonight? I always wanted to go. It was, did I want to pay the price the next day? So it's a uh, it's a balancing act for sure. So coming up at 8.37, Loren, who are we talking to from the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, we're going to be joined by Josh Morrissey. And uh, every time he comes on our show, he has such great things to say about things going on off and on the ice. And so, of course, we have lots of questions about the defense of the Winnipeg Jets, Greg, uh, different pairings that we might be seeing, line lineups and all the rest, uh, or line changes and all the rest. But we've got some questions just 
too. I think about how they're feeling headed into this. Like they've already had that bizarre summer season, if you want to call it that, or the playoffs and, and the Stanley Cup run, uh, which ended pretty quickly for the Jets. And so they haven't been on the ice in ages. And they're going back into that forum where, yes, it's not like the bubble was of the summer and there will be some travel, but there's still no fans in the stands. There's all sorts of questions about how that's going to work with COVID testing. And, and it's such a unique year. Yeah. So there's, it's just, it's going to be really great to, to speak with him and just get his thoughts on a, on a one-to-one basis because I I, th- I have to think that daily there's all sorts of updates going on, both for that off-ice experience, like COVID tests and, and the NHL released how many players had, had actually have COVID to date. And then there's all the on-ice stuff that we're excited about. Well, and Josh Morrissey moved away from home at 16 years old, as so many players do when they're mm-hmm. chasing their sports dreams. Uh, moved to Prince Albert from Calgary, his brother. Uh, also played in the Western Hockey League. They ended up playing together for a short period of time. But just that whole notion of, hey, Josh, have you got any advice for young players, individuals who maybe think, uh, whether it's dance, whether it's gymnastics, whether it's volleyball, basketball, hockey, young athletes that have an opportunity to perhaps make their passion a, a way of life? What advice are you giving them? Because this is really a key uh, point in time for a lot of those individuals that are 14, 15, 16, 17 years old that could be looking towards the next step in their life, whether it be uh, a scholarship to a university or whether it be being accepted into a program that would help them take that next step in their development. It's a real difficult time for, for folks in, in pursuits like that. So that's what we're going to be talking about as well today as we follow up the conversation on the lack of organized sports. Yesterday we talked about how to keep young kids active, how to keep teams connected, but today we'll be discussing those young elite athletes who have those opportunities. But what do you do when you, you're in grade 12, for example, and the team, there's no team sports or you can't do what it is you do or you're missing out on a potential scholarship opportunity uh, because, Loren, when you're a young athlete like that, uh, the clock starts ticking away fast. Yeah, and this is the question I'm going to pose to our listeners this morning. How many of you worked your butt off throughout high school or perhaps turned the gears up a bit, turned it up a notch when you entered grade 11 or 12, right? And now you're faced with a situation where you're at home learning. So if it's academics, that's your thing, or your college that you're looking to get into or a program, you know, nothing, things are really different now in a COVID world. And if you're an athlete or, or a musician, as Greg mentioned, or someone else, like these are the years, you, these are the moments you want to get noticed. And it's January and you've got your eye on June and graduation, or you might be in university and you have your eye on uh, a national sporting event or Canada West championships. And, and you don't know if any of those things are mm-hmm. going to happen. And so what are you doing and how are you focusing? And I mean, if it were me, you know, I, I tried really hard in high school throughout but for sure, all these big decisions were being made of right around this time, right? You're starting to think of what colleges am I going to apply to? What universities? Do, what do I want to be when I grow up? And what the world looks like six months from now, we, we really, truly have no clue where it will leave all of us. And how many of those next steps involve perhaps an in-person interview? And perhaps that's your ace in the hole. You're really good one-on-one, personable, but now you've got to do this over a Zoom call or maybe a telephone call, and you don't have that opportunity to meet people face-to-face. Does that affect your ability to take that next step, either in your career or your scholastic scholastic pursuits? Or, as we were talking about, uh, maybe it doesn't allow you to take that next step in terms of your pursuits uh, on the ice, on the field, or on the court. 
And coming up, Loren, just after 8 o'clock, we're going to be talking about Manitoba's Proud Boys who have disbanded. Yeah, listen, in the wake of everything that happened on Capitol Hill last week, we've been asking the question and have asked the question, are you worried that something like that could happen here? Well, a lot of those groups that were present on the Hill that day, including members of the Proud Boys, they're... Those are organizations that are very present here in Manitoba. We learned yesterday that uh, the Manitoba chapter had actually decided to disband in the wake of everything on Capitol Hill. So we're going to speak to Global's national investigative online reporter about just who the Proud Boys are, what it means uh, with this connection to Manitoba, and why they decided to disband. That's after 8. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Just want to read a couple of quick text messages here. This one from Mark made me laugh. We were talking about those male blood antibody kits, those <laughs> testing kits, and Mark says, blood by male? What's this, a mosquito pyramid scheme? <laughs> like that a lot. <laughs> I asked you if this was a vampire by mail order scheme <laughs> as well. <laughs> and uh, Joanne saying, I too think I may have had it in February Ooh. 2020. I had never missed a week of work ever before so to be as sick as she was you know i think the early speculation was that people who were getting sick i think they said suggested no it can't be mm. coronavirus but given joanne's experience and the other experiences you guys talked about tough to imagine it wasn't yeah scott uh, chimed in on that as well said uh, he was told by his doctor he hadn't been to china there was no way you have it or could get it unless you'd been to China. China. Then he says, funny the difference a year makes. It's 10, 11 months. It's, it's crazy. In a moment, we want to continue the conversation on athletes missing out on sports right now. But before that, Greg, of course, we're going to be keeping our eye on what's happening south of the border as it pertains to impeachment. Oh, yeah. You know, and I understand there are a lot of people that are not interested in this at all. But at the very same time, there are many of you that will be keeping an eye either on your computer, on your handheld device, Twitter, other social media. So uh, there will be a vote on the 25th Amendment from Congress this morning essentially a recommendation, a plea, if you like, from Congress to Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. That is not going to happen. Pence has said that he's not interested in going down that road. But what did happen yesterday that was very interesting is the report that Mitch McConnell, the uh, senior senator from Kentucky, who's the majority House leader at least until the 20th of January in the Senate, does admit and has admitted that Donald Trump has committed impeachable acts, and that is, uh, for some, opening potentially the door for the Senate to approve what is believed to be an impeachment uh, vote today in Congress that is expected to pass. And then the big question is, would it move to the Senate? Because it's actually up to McConnell as to whether or not a vote would take place in the Senate. So, And, that, and would it move quickly enough? Or we, you know, correct. It's only a matter of days left, right? And then exactly. what does that mean? But it would mean, if it happens, that he's the first president in U.S. history to be impeached for a second time. And so there's lots of questions about what that even means, Greg, and what impact that could have and whether it makes a difference at all. But one week today, a new U.S. president... Uh, takes to the stage and, and there's all sorts of questions about what that's going to look like. I was even wondering this morning if 
Trump will even move out of the White House or he'll just stand his ground and keep hide out in one room and there'll be a whole throwdown like two brothers fighting over who gets the bigger bedroom. <laughs> well, I think Brett and I both saw a report yesterday that Melania Trump has been moving out of the White House uh, slowly for weeks already. Well, that's what you're supposed to have been doing, but we all know nothing is going as it's supposed to. <laughs> Well, it'll be an interesting day and a day uh, amongst interesting days since what happened in Washington a week ago today. In our next segment, we want to talk about entrance music and we'll explain why. But we want to spend a couple of minutes talking about this and ask you the question. When you were in high school, did you work hard from start to finish or did you put more effort into your studies or sport or activities in grade 12? Yeah, that final year of school, as we were saying earlier, Brad, it's it's really huge for many Manitobans. It might be the chance to get yourself into college or university, get those grades up, uh, maybe work on an apprenticeship program or volunteer work that you need to do for that. And then if you're an athlete, of course, you might be maybe hoping for that breakout year or to capture the eye of a university scout or other. And now we want to know how that's looking in this COVID world, because not only are students learning remotely, and yes, we know students and teachers and schools are doing the best, but it's still not the same. And, of course, most sports are temporarily cancelled. And so we talked yesterday about the impact that's having on amateur sports and kids with rinks and gyms and pools all closed. But, Greg, now I want to hear from Manitobans, many who've spent years practicing on the ice or track and hopes of maybe even making it to provincials or nationals, maybe in hopes of scholarships or maybe just actually looking to turn that craft into a career. And now they've lost months, months that they, how are they doing, right? Like I was just thinking this morning, there's not even a track. If you're a sprinter, where's the track that you're practicing on right now? It doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, you make a really good point. And I'm sure some of us know individuals along the way in our life that were maybe preparing for the Olympics or other athletic endeavors and had an injury or an illness along the way that prevented them from achieving what they believed to be their destiny. I know uh, one individual in Winnipeg who got uh, sick with cancer on her road uh, to the Olympics about three decades ago. I know another gentleman, Steve O'Brien. I've introduced our listeners to him over the years. He has dedicated his life to uh, literacy in the world of athletics, uh, but he was an injury away from being part of the Canadian 4x100 uh, sprint team in Barcelona. And so when you have conversations with people like that, you realize that not only is it a point in time, a short window in their life in order to get ready for these events, but they spend so much time in preparation and if they end up missing out on something they spent so much time on, it has long-lasting impacts on their life. Not always negative, but it certainly does change their life uh, in a way that uh, few people can understand. And even if you're not an elite athlete, like I was right. not a gifted athlete, but if you told me in grade 12, sorry, you can't play basketball, and then you graduate and that's it, like that's your last chance. Yeah. For sure. And it's, it's, it's about having fun. It's about making an impact. It might not just be about making it to the next level, right, Brett? It's about, it's about all these things that we counted on to help us get somewhere. I'm even thinking I was, I always like to bring it back to the farm. I was super active in 4-H. Uh, I got a scholarship through 4-H for university and grade 12 was a big year to help mm. me finance my university, right? And those activities aren't happening as normal. They might be happening, but not as normal. And so I was talking to someone at the U of M yesterday. He says their scholarship program still has full support. It's still a go. They're still looking and talking to all sorts of athletes, and they're trying to keep it as normal as possible. But you can bet for those kids it doesn't feel remotely normal right now.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. The NHL season starts today. The Winnipeg Jets start tomorrow. Paul Edmonds at 6.55 with the latest daily Jets update. But with the beginning of the NHL season, we thought we'd have some fun today with entrance music. What would your entrance theme be text us at 204-780-6868 or if you don't want to tell us if you don't have a a song in mind for you and you just want to say what your favorite entrance theme is for someone else and maybe you've got a story attached to that text us and we're going to give away a winnipeg jets jersey based on your texts at 9 15 so let's go around the horn here gmac loren cameron poitras in the sports booth jeff braun at home and jeff fortier in master control fortier why don't we start with you sir yeah! Yes! Out of the gate! Blows the doors off with some prodigy. Oh, I just, I think prodigy is awesome. You know what? This is such a hard question. I could have gone through like a hundred songs, but uh, the prodigy has always hit me. It's always, you know, it's got that bass. It's got that beat. It's got some good feeling. It <laughs> pumps you up. He's so passionate about this. I, I can see him bursting through the studio doors right oh, now. Oh, you don't even know. You're not even here. <laughs> Firestarter. Forte is a fire starter. He's the punking instigator. Great choice, Forte. Way to kick <laughs> us off. And uh, let's... Can we <laughs> hear a little bit of it? I don't know if I recognize this. It's from the uh, the mid... The uh, late 90s. I think their lead singer just recently passed away. Yeah, like last did. year. Yeah, he, a couple of years ago, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah, oh, this is good. The music video for this is insane. Like, they, yeah, they, it these is. guys are nuts. Uh, so, great choice, uh, Jeff Forte. By contrast... <laughs> Yes. Cam Poitras. Uh, why don't you just set this up for us? <laughs> Aww. You want to come out to this? This what? doesn't strike fear into the heart of the opponent. I'm not striking fear into anybody if I'm coming up. I have zero athletic ability. I'm not striking fear into anybody. <laughs> so you might as well sit down by the fire, have a beer, and just chill out. It's like, here comes Cam, he's a nice guy. He'll you and have a beer and not make you cry. Yeah, Old Crow Medicine Show, Wagon Wheel, my favorite song. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It, it, it is making, it's making my heart stir right now. So <laughs> Great choice to you, Cam. Jeff Braun, the Altona Avenger, what about you? <laughs> I like the music that Metallica plays uh, right before they hit the stage at all of their concerts since they started. It's uh, The Ecstasy of Gold by Ennio Morricone from the soundtrack to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Ah, yes. It's just that thing where you always, like, the moments before a concert starts when the crowd really starts getting excited and then... This start. This song actually starts off really quietly, and it picks up steam, and it just whips that Metallica crowd into a frenzy. It's really uh, quite a sensation every time you see them live. And they do this every time. Every time they've played it themselves before. They've done live shows with actual symphony orchestras where the symphony plays it before they come out. But or uh, two times I saw them in, here in Winnipeg. They just you know blaring over the loudspeaker with the accompanying video from the movies cut intercut with the video of themselves oh that's cool especially yeah. the fact that they kept it kept that tradition alive so metallica fans must look that's probably what they look forward to them to most right oh yeah. Okay. yeah absolutely you just as soon as you hear the opening notes you know it's about to begin it is pretty awesome you've so, seen them live Ken? yeah i've seen them it's pretty awesome yeah okay uh loren mcnab where do you want to go well, I actually thought about picking uh, Enter Sam and an actual Metallica song as an entrance 
theme because lots of I think there's several teams that do that. I want to say Pittsburgh used to have a Metallica song and a couple others, Penguins. Um, but for me, this is just because, A, yesterday I made a point of saying I regularly ask DJs to play music by this band and they often refuse me. And secondly, I like this way this one starts. So just go ahead and hit it, Brett. Because you're sitting in the crowd and you're like, is it? No. <laughs> Sounds like, yeah, I think that might be 08. And then just a slow walk out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you got maybe like a sheet you can burst through. Burst through it. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> so I, I love this song. You play this song. I'm on the dance floor. I'm coming out on the ice. I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you hard. Bon Jovi, living on a prayer. Great choice. Greg Mackling, what about you, sir? Well, it may not surprise you to learn that I tried to convince my bride-to-be at the time to <laughs> walk down the aisle to the Hockey Night in Canada theme at our <laughs> wedding. I thought Why it would sound great. <laughs> I don't understand. I should have called the entire thing off at that point. Uh, I thought it would sound great on the pipe organ in our church, but uh, that got vetoed. And, but we did walk out to jump by Van Halen in honor of the Jets. But uh, this... Forever and always will be my theme song if I ever get an opportunity to need one. It is the Hellion from Judas Priest. It just sets the table so nicely. That's right. I remember when you uh, we talked about this before, and I was being surprised. I thought it would be the Foo Fighters or Van Halen. Yeah, theme songs are different than the entrance music. This just builds up to such a fantastic crescendo and then they lay down the guitar and the drums and the lights coming and now here it comes i love that oh, yeah. now are you are you entering like what do you see yourself bursting out oh, of the scene on? Like, is I, it a know, sport stage like what are you doing it could be anything moment? in my mind kitchen uh, about to make a mean pasta yeah, oh, here oh. comes greg mackley <laughs> you know what i'm gonna try that walking down the stairs into the kitchen tonight i like it <laughs> Uh, for me, I wanted to go in a bit of a different direction here because uh, while I, I'm sure I could come up with a theme for myself, whenever I hear this particular music, it always gives me goosebumps. Fight for what's right, fight for your life. Because it's Hulk Hogan's entrance music. And I remember seeing him at the old barn at the Winnipeg Arena. I think it was 1986. And he took on Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. I went to see it with my dad, Smash Gordon. And uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, not a great wrestler, but he was one, he's easily one of the greatest showmen in the history of wrestling. And he whipped that crowd into a frenzy. And uh, then he went through his Hollywood Hogan years. And then when he came back as Hulk Hogan years later and this music came on, I think I was at the Y downtown and they had wrestling on. And I heard this music and I went running to the TV. I'm like, oh my God, Hulk Hogan is back. <laughs> so text us, 204. Thought, Go ahead, Loren. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say you ran to the weights and just started like hard pumping the weights to the mirror. Kind of the mirror <laughs> no, that I probably should have. I was in the locker room. <laughs> Got to get those pythons. <laughs> That's right. 24 inch pythons, brother. So text us at 204 780 6868. Your favorite entrance theme for someone else, or what would be your entrance theme and why 204-780-6868 we're giving away that Jets jersey at 9.15 yes J 
Judas Priest. You got another thing coming. A great entrance theme suggestion from Andre at 204-780-6868. You want to win a Winnipeg Jets jersey? We're giving it away at 915 based on your text messages on your favorite entrance theme. What would be your entrance song? Or what is your favorite entrance song? You know, remember the Chicago Bulls when they would come out to that music? That was amazing. What was that song? Uh, Alan Parsons Project? Yes, absolutely stirring. And, of course, it goes with the announcer who would just do just a absolutely second to none job in bringing on the bull. Oh, I'm getting spine that, tingles. That's a good just follow-up question, though. Just it. What's Forget that? Your, not just your entrance song. What would you want the announcer to say as you came into work or down the stairs? or From you know. Minnedosa! <laughs> five foot three! No, wait. Do not give out my weight. <laughs> so text us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win that Winnipeg Jets jersey. Also, uh, if you heard in our previous half hour the incredibly emotional story and live reaction from CNN's Sarah Seidner and you want to see that story and her reaction, we have linked it to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. We would love for you to follow us on Instagram, by the way, if you don't yet. We are almost at 7,500 followers, so that would be nice. And just very quickly, Loren, uh, what are we doing right after Global News at 8 o'clock? Well, you've been hearing the story in the news run with Jeff Braun about the fact that this Manitoba faction of the far-right group, the Proud Boys, has disbanded, at least here in Manitoba. We've got some questions about what that means, some more questions about just what, who the Proud Boys are and what they stand for. And, and also, we're going to ask our investigative reporter with Global News Online, you know, just because they disband doesn't mean they don't rise up under another name. And so what are we watching for and what are we trying to learn in the days and the weeks and the months since the fallout of that Capitol Hill attack? That's after eight. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we hear from Leah Hextall in our Hextall on Hockey feature at 6.55 a.m. But this morning, it is an extended visit with Leah. Yes, no fans in the stands. A feature of the play-in round in Stanley Cup playoffs last summer will be in effect in most arenas across the NHL as the league gets underway with five games tonight. Tonight's schedule includes two all-Canadian North Division matches as well as the Tampa Bay Lightning with their first games. Since capturing the Stanley Cup September 28th. And yesterday, Loren, the NHL released a statement on COVID-19 testing results. It said the league has seen 27 confirmed cases of the virus on nine different teams, including 17 cases on the Dallas Stars. The Stars will have some of their early games rescheduled. Also yesterday, the Ottawa Senators owner, Eugene Melnick, floated an idea of hosting up to 6,000 fans for games in the nation's capital. He has since acknowledged the time is not now, as Ontario, of course, is facing its most difficult round of infections and restrictions, uh, really since the, they went through that first wave last spring. And so we have questions about how that might work, but we also have questions for Leah about whether other teams may have plans to ask authorities to eventually put fans in the stands. And so we're joined now by... Leah Hextall. Leah, before we get into all that, I have to ask, for someone like yourself, for all the work you do in hockey, is this like Christmas morning to you to have the <laughs> NHL back? You know what? It, it, it has a little bit of that effect, Loren. I'm not going to lie. You do get a little bit of bounce in your step because hockey is returning today. I don't know about you guys, but my absolute favorite thing is whenever I go to a game, the first thing I do is I love to be down at ice level when they've just cleaned the ice and it's just perfect before the game and there's nobody around the lights are still dim and you can actually smell the ice and I don't really 
have the ability to tell you what that smells like, but I do that every game I cover, and it's one of my favorite moments, and uh, it's kind of like my meditation. Uh, that's uh, that's about as far as I'll get into meditation ever, I believe. But it's a it's a great day. It's nice to see hockey back. But as you guys just illustrated, it's going to be a season like no other. Well, that includes having no fans in the stands, at least for the next little while, Leah. And we talked about maybe that suggestion by the Ottawa Senators owner being poor time, poorly timed. But it has us asking, is there a plan on the table for Jets to put some sort of proposal forward? Or is it too soon to say? Yeah, Loren, we connected yesterday after you brought forth to me what Eugene Melnick had tweeted, and I hadn't even seen it yet because he put it up and deleted it so quickly because it's such a harebrained idea. Let's just put it that way. The fact of the matter is I did do a little bit of digging, and from what I can find out, because I did used to work inside of those walls on Broadway, is that there has been no request by the Jets for anything of that matter, and that's really the answer that I thought I was going to hear because of the way in which the Winnipeg Jets and True North operate. But on top of that, the way in which Dr. Rusin and our public health officials operate, this is not going to happen. People have to realize that health and safety is first and foremost, and the NHL has agreed to that. They have agreed to that with the provincial officials. That's why we're going to get to play hockey in the first case. So you're not going to see fans in the stands unless something crazy happens and everybody gets vaccinated today. So um, that's a pipe dream. I haven't heard anything about the Jets asking for it, and I don't expect to see it, at least in Canada for sure, in uh, the NHL this season. Now, unlike other seasons, the Jets have only 56 games to make the playoffs, and every game is a divisional matchup, which means four points are on the line each night. So Paul Maurice has stated that this season will be a sprint. How so? Well, really right there, you just outlined it. The fact of the matter is you have 56 games. I know a lot of people might say, well, that's still a lot of hockey, but usually let's remember there's 82, which means every single night games always count, points always count. But with that divisional game, it's a four-point swing every evening, which means, yeah, you want to get those two points, but you also have the ability by winning to stop the team behind you who's also trying to grab that playoff spot from getting an additional two points. But that also works against you. And what's really going to be interesting is how injuries will play out this season. You know, if you think back to other seasons, um, the fact is if somebody got injured, even say for a week or two weeks, it'd be like, oh, we're not going to have them available for two weeks. That could be absolutely detrimental to teams now because of the lack of games and because of the divisional games every single night. So you have to have depth in order to be able to have success in the North Division and throughout the National Hockey League this season. So watch your eyes on injuries. I think it's a really big reason why we're seeing Paul Maurice not want to push Jansen Harkins back into the lineup before you know he's ready because they don't even want the smallest of nagging injuries because they can't afford it because of how competitive this season's going to be. Not to mention those back-to-back games, Leah, and even some cases three games consecutively against the same team. So those uh, games are going to be critically important that you, you can come out ahead, uh, if not sweeping, but uh, taking two out of three in those three-game series. Along with goaltender Mike Comrie, the Jets lost depth defenseman Lucas Pisa to Nashville via waivers yesterday. How does that affect the defensive core and what are the pairings going to look like as we head into tomorrow night, Leah? You know, I don't think that's going to affect the defensive pairings as much just because I think they have the ability. And from what we've <clears throat> excuse me, seen mostly in training camp, Lucas Season might have been, you know, someone who would have came in when needed. But um, losing Eric Comrie to the New Jersey Devils, and that was, to me, that's a bit of a hit. And they needed to find a goaltender in Jersey because Corey Crawford retired and people didn't see that company coming after he signed there this summer. So 
Um, you know, Eric Comrie leaving, first of all, he's great in the room and he's extremely beloved. If you listen to the comments from the Jets yesterday, this is a kid that they love having around. But now Mikhail Burdan will come into the taxi squad, so that removes him from the American Hockey League. So it has that trickle effect down. And I think goaltenders, you know, you can't have enough goaltenders in this situation either. But I don't think we're going to see too much from Spiza going to Nashville on those defensive pairings. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not minding the look of the defensive pairings. The one thing that I'm actually really excited about is how Trevor Lewis has performed on that fourth line. And this, if he makes it, he's still on a professional tryout. So we'll have to see what they can do here with some cap gymnastics. But he showed really well. This is a, a forward that has two cups with the LA Kings in 2012 and 2014. And when we talk about defense, Greg, I mean, he will be great for them on the penalty kill. And that's something that we definitely need to shore up here in Winnipeg. In about an hour's time, we're bringing on defenseman Josh Morrissey to speak with us just about the Jets' uh, opener tomorrow night. But let's talk about the forwards now, uh, Leah. Kyle Connor, Paul Statsny, Patrick Liney, they play together. Do you think Paul Maurice might be tempted to go back to that combo of Connor, Shifley, Wheeler if the team starts slowly? Like, how long will Connor, Statsny, and Liney play together? And then what about the ne- the other lines? Well, first of all, we're not exactly sure if that's how opening night will look either, right, Loren? I mean, the one thing about training camp that I always say to people is if you've looked at how the combinations have gone with that top six throughout training camp, they have been going back and forth and looking at different combinations. I really think when you look at that top six, it would be nice to see some experimenting. With Paul Stasny back in the mix as that second-line centerman, just because it worked with Line A and Ehlers back in the 2018 playoffs when they had that great run, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best fit. Paul Stasny Jasmine was here for a very short period of time coming in as a signing late in the game after the trade deadline for the playoff push. So it's going to be interesting to me to see how the combinations and the chemistry works. But you know you have it. And, and that's the security that the coach has, Loren, is the fact that he knows how Connor and Shifley and Wheeler will perform together. We have seen it. Kyle Connor having tremendous seasons playing with the two of them. And as we know, Shifley and Wheeler are always there together. Uh, we talk about the fact, will you see Shifley and Wheeler get broken up? if there's a slow start. And again, we go back to that 56-game schedule. Coaching is going to be really big this year because you're going to have to move the pieces of those puzzles and be able to out-coach the other team, find those combinations as quick as possible, and be able to get your team ready to gel, ready to go. Because as we heard the coach himself say, Maurice stated it, it's a sprint. There will be no dog days. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to see how this team comes together. But let's not forget about that bottom six. That bottom six, you know, guys like Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, when we think of if an injury happens to anyone, heaven forbid, knock on wood, in that top six for the Jets, those guys are going to be so important this year. Depth, 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 because this is a short season and it's a big season. And uh, as you guys can see, as I start to talk about it, I get excited because I just can't wait to see how this season unfolds because I've been covering the game for nearly 20 years and I've never seen anything like this. And it's, uh, you know, I just got to say buckle up, everybody. It's going to be fun. Well, we look forward to the ride, Leah Hextall. Thank you so much for joining us and thanks for bringing your excitement. It's a lot of fun. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. And again, that so the NHL. Starts today, Winnipeg Jets start tomorrow versus Calgary in a game you're going to be able to hear right here on 680 CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and Ozzy. Ozzy Osbourne. 
Crazy Train, as suggested by Darlene at 204-780-6868 for entrance music. Darlene says, I wanted my walkout song to be Crazy Train. I did kickboxing for a number of years, started later in life, and at 44, I finally got my chance to enter the ring. My fight name was Darlene. Mama's gonna knock you out, <laughs> Wispianski. Forgot the tape and ended up walking out to Thai music, but it was the best time ever. Darlene, thank you for that. That's a great story. That's what we're asking for, your chance to win a Winnipeg Jets jersey at 9.15 based on your suggestions for entrance music or your favorite entrance themes. Text us and tell us a story at 204-780-6868. And we're talking entrance music because tonight, the National Hockey League opens its 2020 21 season. The Winnipeg Jets are still one sleep away from their season opener. Tomorrow night at home versus the Calgary Flames. Pre-game coverage gets underway at 5 o'clock. Opening face-off just after 7 right here on the radio home of the Jets. 680 CJOB. Now our next guest was the Winnipeg Jets' first round draft choice in 2013. Picked 13th overall. And of course, since then he's become one of the faces of the franchise. Back in September of 2019, he signed a long-term contract with the Jets. And we spoke with Josh Morrissey in the morning after his eight-year deal was announced. And of course, since then he's really become not just a household name as alternate cap and captain, guys, but he's the anchor of the Winnipeg Jets defense. We welcome back to the start, Josh Morrissey. Good morning, Josh. Morning, everyone. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. How are you doing on what we might affectionately call uh, Jets Miss Eve? Doing okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, woke up feeling, uh, uh, you know, kind of like I guess if you're using the same analogy, sort of like Christmas Eve. You know, excited for um, excited for tomorrow. Excited to uh, uh, get going, and uh, obviously, um, you know, tune into a couple games tonight, and and then. Uh, get going for real tomorrow so I'm, I'm looking forward to it now i'm not trying to embarrass you here but and and we don't need to and won't list off all your achieve, achievements on your journey to the nhl but one of the awards which has always stood out for me was your western hockey league scholastic uh, player of the year award back in 2012 2013 and uh that was in the western hockey league maybe you can help us come up with another word for the last season which concluded for the jets back in august and now this 56 game season you're about to begin is there a better word than unprecedented <laughs> yes um you know i'd have to think about that uh but definitely uh unprecedented um you know unpredictable probably a good one i mean you know just with uh, so many changes um for our team last season and then obviously i mean the last uh, 10 months for everyone has been uh you know just a, a whirlwind and and i mean nobody i don't think saw it coming so um but at the same time uh i think you know we've tried to do a good job of just uh sort of reacting and and trying to to live in the moment and that's pretty hard to do but um you know i think we've we've uh prepared ourselves that way for this season yeah, two things you just said, Josh, stood out for me. Unpredictable being one of the key words and the fact that, you know, you're preparing for what might happen tomorrow might not be allowed to happen tomorrow. There's so many moving parts to this. And I know athletes, you're creatures of habit and routine in the past 10 months have been difficult for all of us. What have been some of the challenges for you as you deal with the non-hockey aspects of this pandemic and not being able to have your routine as normal? Oh, totally. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, been tough for everyone obviously um you know i think for for myself um and my fiance like the spring was was challenging um you know 
um, essentially just not knowing are we going to play the playoffs? Are we not going to? Are we going to finish the regular season? I mean, you know, at the beginning it was like, okay, we'll take two weeks off and we'll, you know, get back going into the season. And obviously, uh, you know, that ended up being, um, you know, three or four months until we started the playoffs in July. So, uh, or the end of July, beginning of August. So it was just a uh, sort of a, a lot of waiting and a lot of phone calls. I mean, it's the same for everybody, um, but I, I think it was challenging. Uh, we stayed here in Winnipeg for uh, most of the uh, spring, and, um, you know, not that uh, we would have been able to spend a lot of time with our family anyway, but uh, we're both from Calgary. So, um, you know, just the fact that we weren't able to be with our family and stuff, um you know, again, if we were at home, we probably wouldn't have been able to see them with the restrictions and stuff anyway. But um, same same challenges for everyone. I think just, you know, not knowing what's coming, not knowing your schedule, not knowing uh, when you're playing next or whatever. And so, um, you know, I think uh, that that was probably the most challenging. And then, you know, again, after the, the bubble throughout the fall, you know, sort of the waiting game as well to see, um, you know, what's going to happen with our upcoming season. So, you know, just the uncertainty and, and sort of the waiting. But, um, you know, I think um, maybe, you know, have been able to develop some skills in, in sort of handling that and, and uh, coping with that a little bit uh, better. So hopefully we don't have a, you know, anything like this again to, to throw a curveball or many at us. But, um, you know, I think maybe there's been some, some good sort of life skills to learn along the way. Josh, it's uh, Brett McGarry here. Now, I uh, I don't I haven't been haven't had the chance to go to a ton of Jets games, but I did have the pleasure and privilege of going to the very first preseason opener for Jets 2.0 back in 2011, I guess it was. And even in the pre, just the the pregame skate when the team came out, the crowd was it the crowd blew up, and you could tell that the energy on the ice as well as everywhere in the building was so electric. Now, no fans in the stands. I'm sure you've been asked about this since the return to play last summer in the bubble in Edmonton. Does the lack of fans affect in any way the intensity on the ice? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I guess it's hard to say. Like the playoffs obviously was, you know, had a level of intensity because of the magnitude of the games. Um, you know, I don't think uh, in between the whistles, um the intensity level from the players necessarily, um, you know, uh, goes down at all. But um, I do, you know, I think the biggest shock for me, at, you know, playing in the bubble was, you know, in between whistles or sort of the commercial TV timeouts, uh, you know, minute and a half of sort of, you know, they still were playing music or different things on the, on the video board and stuff like that. And in the arena, but all of a sudden you're, you know, you're kind of just at a stop and, and uh, that was really when I noticed it the most, I think, um, you know, also the momentum changes in game starting as, um, I think uh, affected. I mean, if, uh, you're on, you're in your own end or you're in the opponent's end for, you know, a minute, minute and a half, and you're sort of all over them. I mean, usually, you know, the crowd's either super excited because you're the home team and you're, you're playing great or you're on your heels and the, the crowd gets a little bit antsy and as a player, you can feel that a little bit. So, I mean, uh, essentially, there isn't any of that going on uh, without the fans. But uh, personally, I mean, I I really, um, you know, can't wait until we can have the fans back. And and uh, obviously, for so many reasons. But 
I mean, that was one of the big reasons for me um, wanting to stay here in Winnipeg and, and be a Jed. And, and uh, why I've always loved playing here is, you know, we have such amazing fans, as you said. And I mean, it just uh, it makes it that much, much more special. And and games feel, you know, whether it's game one or, you know, game seven in the playoffs or game 52 in, uh, you know, January, February, whatever it is, um, you know, every game feels really important. So. Um, that's important to me, and I'm excited to get to a point where we can uh, have the fans again. Josh, I know we've got to let you run here, but the last couple of days we've haven't been having a discussion about the young young, young kids. Oh, we still there? Did we lose Josh Morrissey? I think we did. I think our time ran no, out. I'm, I think you got me. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's no problem at all. Josh, really quick, uh, tens of thousands of, of kids across the country, around the world really, are a little bit at a standstill in terms of pursuing their, their passions as 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. As an example, you moved away at 16 to pursue your passion uh, and, and play hockey in Prince Albert growing up in Calgary. That had to be a huge change. Any advice for kids that, that might be missing out on uh, what would normally be a an extra special year in their development? Well, I mean, uh, it's, I feel for those kids immensely. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, still to this day for me, uh, at 25 or when I was a, a younger kid, I mean, hockey is my favorite thing in the world. So, you know, not being able to play, um, you know, would just be so difficult. So, um, you know, I guess, I, I, the only advice I have is hang in there, um, you know, continue to, uh, uh, try and be patient. I know it's probably the last thing anyone wants to hear, but, um, you know, every day that we move forward, we're a little bit closer to, uh, you know, getting back to, uh, normal and, and, um, you know, hopefully making uh, COVID a thing of the past. So I would just, uh, you know, recommend trying to stay patient. And I mean, I don't know, um, find ways to, uh, have some fun at home or whatever you're doing, maybe work on your stick handling or something. I don't know, whatever you can do and, and uh, just try and be patient. But, um, you know, when, when uh, minor hockey opens up again, I think everyone's going to be, uh, you know, that much more excited and it'll be that much more fun when, uh, when you're back on the ice. So uh, hopefully uh, us as the, the Jets can provide something to watch on TV and some hockey to, to keep you occupied for the time being as well. Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets joining us live on 680 CJOB. Josh, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Okay, hit the road, Jack. Doesn't sound like what you would think is traditional entrance music, but uh, Loren Adrian kind of gave us a one-two punch. Yeah, because he texted this morning on our question of what would your entrance song be. He wrote to say, now you guys got me pumped, LOL. I just had a morning meeting at work, and when I walked into the office, I had the song Keep Rolling by Limp Biscuit in my head. That would also be a great entrance song for any occasion, but he thinks it's also very relevant for the pandemic situation we are in. Great theme song. And so then I said, well, you should have put that on speakerphone as you walked into the office and let the whole office partake in that. And he said, well, yeah, but then that might have been followed by the song that goes, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more. <laughs> so that's one of our great runners up. Uh, this one came from a listener who said, 
the one thing the Jets have right is their entrance music. Rumstein du Hast. When the Jets played in Helsinki, a game that Greg was at, I was fortunate to be in the stands. The stoic crowd had never seen such an opening. My local Helsinki friends, when they heard the opening music, they said it was the best part of the game. That's another great story, taking us across the pond to Europe, to Finland. But Greg, Darlene is victorious. Yeah, I like this one. I wanted my walkout song to be Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. I did kickboxing for a number of years. I started later in life. And at 44, I finally got my chance to enter the ring. My fight name was Darlene. Mama's gonna knock you out. Was Pansky. Forgot the tape. And ended up walking out to Thai music. It was the best time ever. A mama is going to knock you out. Pretty good song, too. Yes. Yes, that's right. By LL, LL Cool J, yes. That's one. That's got to be his all-time classic hit song. So, hey, it's been a lot of fun this morning talking entrance music. And you can continue to text us, 204 780 The question is, the temporary two-week period of remote learning at Manitoba schools ends on Monday. Are you good with this? And your options are the same. Yes, get them back to class. No, too soon. And I never want to hear the phrase remote learning again, Loren. Yeah, and that last one might sound tongue-in-cheek, but whoa, what a year it's been, right? We had the kids get sent home in March, then they were back in school from September till until November in most parts, and then there's all sorts of changes for high school students who've been doing a bit of on and off, one day in, one day out, or two days in, two days out, depending on the school you're in. And then, of course, in December, we went into that level red, and the province announced that for two weeks after Christmas, they were going to keep great kids in grade 7 and up home full-time, so remote learning full-time, and it gave parents of kids or guardians of kids in K-6 the option to stay home if they wanted with some options for remote learning. And we just learned within the last hour that this two-week temporary period, it's going to end with the two weeks. It's not going to be extended. So on January 18th, kids go back to that pre-holiday, pre-Christmas schedule. But that still leaves us with lots of questions, guys. And so we're pleased to welcome on now Alan Campbell, president of the Manitoba School Boards Association. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. So I, I, it's kind of a complicated process because I don't want to let anyone think remote learning is ending, period. We're just returning, correct, back to the, any schedule that the kids may have had pre-Christmas. Is that the fair way to explain it? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to explain it. Grade 7 to 12, who had moved to full remote learning for these first two, week, two weeks of the uh, return to school after the uh, winter break, will uh, we'll move back into in-class learning. Uh, and I think you had uh, mentioned in your tweet, Loren, that uh, the option uh, for ongoing remote learning remains open to families. School divisions may provide that, um, and that will be decided on uh, between divisions, schools, and the families that they serve. Alan, it's Greg here, and let me tell you, just this morning I received an email from one of my boys' teachers about something that was going on with regard to remote learning. A supposed deficiency in technology in our home was being reported by one of my children. An absolute fallacy in order to get out of some homework, I suspect. And so I had to pick up the phone and I had to phone one of my kids and, Dad, I'm on a call right now. I don't care you're on a call right now. Something's going on here. And I said, <laughs> I can only imagine I've not been alone in having to manage my kids because uh, they're at home for a couple hours on their own before I can get there and make sure they're doing the things that they, they need to be doing. It's been a genuine challenge for a lot of folks. Yeah, you bet it has. And I think 
when you consider the the challenges like the ones that you've spoken to uh, whether they're whether they're uh, real technological challenges or um, I'll say alleged challenges um, those are just that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg right when it comes to how families need to organize their day I mean with grade 7 to 12 you know uh, you go on the assumption that full-time childcare is obviously less of a consideration than if we had K to 6 students uh, in full-time remote learning for this current period but um, but access to technology connectivity for especially rural and remote families but also in in different areas of Winnipeg as well um, continue to be major challenges um, you know there's a lot of schools that have paper package deliveries being done just like we had in the spring uh, to make sure that uh, if technology is an issue families are still having the the opportunity to engage in learning over this remote learning period so then how has it been going? Uh, you know, we, the remote learning that we saw last spring, uh, are teachers saying anything different now? Has it gotten better, worse? Uh, what we're hearing from our membership uh, is that this two-week period has gone reasonably well. I think the system, the frontline staff, and certainly the students and the families, they really needed the break that the, that the two-week winter break offered. And... Uh, per, and it provided a chance to recharge a bit and then come into this sort of uh, new twist of things with 7 to 12 and full remote, um, you know, with fresh batteries and ready to go. Um, all reports are that it's gone reasonably well, that engagement has been solid across the board, um, but also contextualized with the fact that we have always heard from public health and from government that the plan would be to return on January 18th. So, when you know how long the period is, it helps for planning. Uh, and that isn't something that we dealt with in the spring, right? Like initially in the spring, it was like, who knows how long this is going to take. And, and then before you know it, we were pushed to the end of June. Um, the fact that teachers could prepare for a, a two-week period and things have gone well in terms of transmission, uh, relatively well, I should say, in terms of transmission in the community, numbers are supporting a return to in-class learning on Monday. Um, that certainly helped. One thing that makes it a bit more unpredictable uh, in the days and weeks ahead, Alan, and you mentioned the fact that there was that unknown back in the spring. So now we're going back to some sort of a schedule, but there are going to be parents or caregivers who want their kids to stay home and will be looking for that remote learning option. And I'm curious how teachers plan for that, because now we're back in a situation where they might not know Mm -hmm. come Monday how many kids to expect in class. Does that mean divisions send out other surveys again or or ask parents to call the school immediately to let them know what their choices are going to be? Because that's going to add to some challenges, too, for planning. For sure. And and individual school divisions uh, have have been uh, communicating to families, if not toward the end of last week, then certainly this week with what they can expect, what their options are, uh, and and how that individual division plans to deal with that. Um, again, each division has set up their remote learning supports differently based on the resources that they have available, based on the technology that exists in, in the area in which they are situated. So there will be uh, different offerings, um, but, you know, there is infrastructure in place for remote learning and in cases where it is required, I believe divisions will do their best to try to accommodate within parameters that may include uh, considerations for families. Like um, if you're going to sign up for remote learning now, um, you're going to be in remote learning for uh, X period of time, whether that takes you to spring break or takes you to the end of June, because divisions to your initial point, they can't plan for uh, jumping back and forth. You're in or you're out. And uh, for, for a period of time anyway, so that 
so that teachers know who's in class learning and who's remote learning and they can and they can base their planning on on firm information. Uh, Alan, before we let you go here, what's the feedback been in terms of the functionality and the benefit of that remote learning resource center that the that the province announced late in 2020 and was to to get launched and to be in in purpose and and ready for uh, what we saw over the last two weeks? Any feedback? Um, the feedback I've heard is limited. Um, it's it's been neither glowing or critical. Um, I'll say it's it's been a relatively short window of time for uh, divisions to access those services. I mean, we're in day six or seven here of, of this remote learning for grade seven to 12. But I do know that more and more as the partners talk, divisions will be uh, capitalizing on the resources that the support center is offering. And I think as we continue to progress in the school year, there'll be more, uh, more uptake on, on the services that will be provided. Alan Campbell, president of the Manitoba School Boards Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Alan, thank you very much for the time. Thanks so much. And once again, you can answer our question of the day at cjob.com or on Twitter at 680CJOB as it pertains to remote learning. Just want to quickly mention this. Uh, We had some news come across our wire regarding Air Canada. They say they're reducing their first quarter capacity by 25%, which means the loss of about 1,700 jobs at the airline. And they also announced this morning, we were talking, Loren, we were just talking earlier about going to Prince Edward Island and you've been to Halifax. Well, they're telling airports in Atlantic Canada they're suspending more routes in the region until further notice. So no service to Gander, Newfoundland, Goose Bay, Newfoundland, and Fredericton, New Brunswick, uh, as of January 23rd. Well, you got to feel for, you know, we've all been talking about travel being the thing that in a perfect world you'd like to return to and so there's lots of people missing out on that because we can't go places we'd like to now if we can't afford to and then there's people who might not be able to afford to just do day-to-day things because they've lost their jobs so another hit to the industry right air canada saying that they're going to cut 1700 jobs WestJet announced i think it was about five days ago that they were also going to slash flight capacity by a third which means a loss of a thousand of its employees and so that's a lot that's a big hit to that uh, industry to the economy and, and potentially to local economy economy as well yeah if you look at atlantic canada very hard hit with the WestJet and now these air canada announcements and and they've done the best of all the regions in Canada in terms of keeping their citizens safe, keeping one another as healthy as possible. And tourism is such a big part of the economy down there. This is sort of a triple whammy for them. So hopefully these these uh, slashes in service don't last for a very long time. But once again, you got to feel for the folks in Atlantic Canada, in Newfoundland and Labrador, as uh, they're already uh, isolating themselves. And now they're going to be increasingly isolated from the rest of the country when when we get back to normal here quote unquote uh, hopefully it won't take long for air canada and WestJet to reinstate those flights uh, to that part of our wonderful country so that's a bad news story and this one's a, a bad news good news story i just wanted to quickly mention because i don't i don't know if you guys got this note uh, from police i think we got something on it uh, from winnipeg fire paramedic but uh this was sent to me just somebody texted it to me on instagram there was a fire Yesterday morning, uh, was it yesterday morning? Uh, yes, yesterday morning, on early yesterday morning on Mountain Avenue, a substantial fire coming from a three-story home, and tenants were jumping from the second-story balcony, so police assisted in their escape. Twelve people, all 12 tenants, got out safely. No one was hurt uh, while the fire team 
put the the flames out. So I just wanted to share that the twelve all twelve people jumping out of a balcony got out safely. So. Uh, I don't know how we missed that or how I missed that one. So sometimes those, I guess during the pandemic, we, some of these stuff, some of the stuff that we would often report on kind of slips through the cracks. So that's, uh, I think, a really good news. I mean, it's bad news because the house was on fire, but 12 people are safe and sound. So that's great. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.